Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Before we start, just a quick warning. This episode mentions gun violence and suicide. Kathy. Yes, Tobin? So we've talked a little bit on the show about the approaching midterm elections. Uh, it kind of feels like it's been a few years now. Yeah, it has been a solid couple of lifetimes. Yes. But what I want to talk about is the young folks out there who are amped to vote. And there's one group in particular we're going to talk about today, the students from March for Our Lives. Marches against gun violence will be taking place in hundreds of cities this afternoon with teenagers taking the lead. So if folks don't know, March for Our Lives was this huge demonstration that took place across the country last March. And it was organized in response to the shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. And there were all these young, inspiring speakers who talked about their experiences with gun violence. At the event in D.C., which was the biggest, one of the headliners was Emma Gonzalez. Six minutes and about 20 seconds. Emma was a student at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School when the shooting happened. In a little over six minutes, 17 of our friends were taken from us, 15 were injured, and everyone, absolutely everyone, in the Douglas community was forever altered. And she quickly became one of the most recognizable faces in the March for Our Lives movement. Since then, she's continued to be outspoken about gun violence, but also talks a lot about being proudly bisexual. The LGBT plus community knows the meaning of family, and it is because of this that I've been able to become the confident, energetic, short bisexual girl that you see before you. You go, Emma, repping for bi folks everywhere. Yes. And beyond speaking about queerness and about gun reform, the students from March for Our Lives spent the summer on the road on this multi-city bus tour, registering voters ahead of the upcoming midterm elections. It was called Road to Change, and I got to go out to their event in Queens, New York, a couple months ago. Cue show music. Show music. Now. (laughs) Sorry. From WNYC Studios, this is Nancy. With your hosts, Kathy Tu and Tobin Lowe. Okay, so Tobin, tell me more about this Road to Change event. So, I don't know. I guess if I were to say voter registration event, you would imagine something kind of dull, yes? Totally. Yeah. Uh, When I arrived, it was like a party. Are you serious? Yeah. Like, there was a DJ and dancing, cotton candy and popcorn. That sounds like fun. I'd go to that. Totally, right? So this event was the last stop on the tour, and organizers said that they were able to register tens of thousands of voters in person and online. And they did it by pulling together these parties that were thoughtful but also raucous and silly. Like, at a certain point during the event, they pulled a couple people on stage for, like, a pull-up challenge. (laughs) They had to hold themselves in a pull-up and recite as much of the alphabet as they could before their arms gave out. And one of the competitors... Was Emma Gonzalez. Wait, how far in the alphabet did she get? She got to S. I mean, to be fair, they were going pretty fast through the alphabet, but also to be fair, I can't do one pull up. Yeah, if you can't do one, that would be tough. (laughs) But you're saying she's a badass. Yes, yes, yes. So this sounds like it was a really good time. Yeah, definitely a party. 
But also, there was just no avoiding that so many of the people in attendance had this awful thing in common. You know, so many of them had been personally impacted by gun violence. My roommate was shot, and I had a friend when I was in eighth grade that accidentally shot and killed his brother. And, you know, I've, I know people that have killed themselves suicide from guns. It's just guns are the issue, and I'm kind of tired of people saying they're not the issue. Um, can I just get you both to introduce yourselves? Sure. Hi, I'm Jen Shoemaker with Gays Against Guns. And I'm Antonio Suryajaya, also with Gays Against Guns. Um, why was it important for y'all to be here today? So, um, Gays Against Guns started after the Pulse nightclub Orlando shooting, which was one of the biggest mass shootings in the country, and then Las Vegas happened, and Parkland, and it seems like every day something new is happening, so we're here just to support the March for Our Lives kids because we are really proud of the movement they're doing. Jen's point is that it's not like the country is short on mass shootings. There was Pulse and then Parkland. Then there was the shooting at the high school in Santa Fe. And even just this week, the shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. The list goes on. And any one of these events should theoretically start a conversation around change. But the students from March for Our Lives seem to be the ones continuing to attract national attention. It seems like the kids are the ones that are really getting the traction on, you know, getting the people to register to vote. So it's a problem when you have an entire country with too many guns. And it's a problem for all of us, gay, straight, black, white. Just then, the music suddenly disappeared, and the vibe of the room shifted dramatically. Everyone slowly gathered around this mural. It was a painting of Joaquin Oliver on a white brick wall. Joaquin was one of the students killed in Parkland. Next to his face, the words, we demand, were painted in red. His father, Manuel Oliver, stood facing the mural and started to spray paint words. He filled in the rest of the sentence on the mural. We demand an express line to change. And then he took a hammer. He started to strike the mural with the hammer, mimicking the sounds of gunshots. That's how he sounds. In a school hall. In a school hall, it sounds like that, he said. Every single day in Chicago, in LA, in New York, it sounds like that. He stopped at one point, a little bit out of breath, to face the crowd. Mitch, Annika, and Alex are here, good friends of us. They lost their son in Portland, too. We became friends because of this. It's not the best way to become friends. But we support each other, and we support you guys. All the way, we have having conversations many times. Who do we believe in? We believe in the kids and their movement. No one else. It made me think about these students from March for Our Lives and how much they've got on their shoulders. Yes, they're inspiring, and they're starting conversations about change, but I imagine it's also exhausting, having to continually revisit what's happened to them, having to talk about gun violence constantly. And also, for people like Emma, to figure out your identity in front of everyone. So, after the break, I get to talk more with the people powering this movement. And the fact that there are some people who feel like we shouldn't be doing this, well, I wish I wasn't doing it either. Including Emma Gonzalez. 
We are back. So before the break, we talked about my visit to the Road to Change event, and I got the chance to talk to a couple of the students behind it all. Okay, cool. So who are we talking about? Well, one of them was Emma Gonzalez, who we talked a little bit about before. The other's name is Bria Smith. Bria's from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and she says she's been publicly speaking out about gun violence in her hometown for years, but with not much attention from the press. So when March for Our Lives started getting traction, she was skeptical. Mm -hmm. But then she spoke at a March for Our Lives rally back in March. Students in Milwaukee County are three times more likely to die because of gun violence. And she just kind of knocked everyone's socks off. I am here today because I care about my life. Because I care about the lives of my peers and the students across the nation who hold fear within their hearts, entering their own schools. Her passion eventually led to an invite to join the Road to Change tour. Love it. Love Bria. Yeah, love Bria. So I got a chance to have Bria and Emma in the studio. To begin. This is them trying out ASMR on the microphones. Feel the tinkles. Feel the tinkles. Don't edit. Don't edit this out. Whoa. We love ASMR. I know. It shows up a lot on the show. It does. Anyway, I had a great time talking to them about identity and voting and being a teenager, all while being the faces of a national movement. I'm curious, and you can answer this question however you want, how do you identify? I, uh, Emma Gonzalez, am bisexual. I am half Cuban, half white. Well, technically, like, I'm (laughs) full white, like, on the outside, but I'm half Cuban. Yeah, passing white passing. And I am, uh, have uh, she, her pronouns. (laughs) And I was the president of the Gay Straight Alliance. Yes. Yes. I was an ally. How about that? Yes, perfect. um, So my name is Bria. I'm straight, a straight black woman. I identify with black American culture. And I'm kind of here to speak about intersectional approaches and how it affects day-by-day youth because we aren't aware of it. And when you become aware of something that hinders you from achieving success, that's when you know that your knowledge is your power and you go out there and you shift the narrative. Yes, Bria. But yeah, so that's me. I'm 17. I will be a rising senior. And I'm just ready for the world to look like a better place so I can bring my little babies in. Love it. (laughs) So growing up, what, for the two of you, what was your relationship to activism like? Um, Well, I took AP Environmental Science two years ago, and I had to watch movies, like documentaries, um, either in class or for extra credit out of class. So I watched Chasing Ice and Damnation, and that is two explicit examples of activism in the world about something that affects everybody. Mm -hmm. In Damnation, somebody snuck onto a dam in the middle of the night and painted a giant dotted line with scissors down the middle of it saying, break down the dam. But dams are useful for hydroelectricity until they back up all the sediment downriver and prevent animals from migrating to their natural grounds, and it disrupts the landscape. But, like, watching Damnation, how this one person painted a dam and got a dam broken down, and even though there's hundreds of thousands more in America to go, it still felt like that person got something done. And I was like, why don't I do something like that? Why don't I swing down from a dam one day with a giant paint roller in my hand and do something like that. Like, I I thought of that, and I didn't let go of that idea. But I also really wanted to work for NASA. So. Still do it. Still, still really, could. Still really want to work for could. NASA. <laughs> and I don't know if that counts as activism. But, you know, we'll find out. In a yeah. sense, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, Bria? 
Um, growing up, I have four siblings and my two parents, so it was always full house. But uh, my mom, she didn't want us to go to school in our zone schools because our neighborhood was really bad. And she wanted us to have like a really proper education. So she signed up for the Chapter 220 program that's like gone now. But the Chapter 220 program, you take inner city kids, like these brown and black kids, like these Latina and Asian kids. You put them on a bus and you bus them like 45 minutes away to like white suburban areas. And in these white suburban areas, you diversify that school. So um, in Milwaukee County, I went to Franklin High School. So I was on the Chapter 20 program, and I was like the only black person in my class. And that's when I realized that I'm the only black person in my class. <laughs> like no one like looks like me. And like that's when growing up in this atmosphere and in, in, um, in class where everyone looks at you and learning about slavery or even like civil rights, it's like really isolating. And like you can't really talk about anything because you don't want to be seen as complaining. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's what fueled me to speak up and be that one pro-black person that's always like fight the power in class. Mm. So, yeah. Yes, Bria. Thank you. <laughs> ASMR. So you. If you listen, if you pepper that through this entire interview, I'm totally fine with that. Today we will go on a journey, and I will take you there. So you all have been on this bus tour for the mm-hmm. last couple months, visiting different cities. We've and all been that. on the bus tour for about sixty two? days, ah, so gotcha. about two months. Gotcha. Total. Just so we have the facts. Facts are facts. Um, I was at the event today, and oh, a thing that struck me is how much it felt like a party. Oh, yes. yeah. No, that's, that's what we need. Yeah. And even just, like, looking. I remember, like, we were all dancing. You know, it's the, the DJ was fire. Can I just oh say that? Oh, my God. We have, so we have had, like, a hot Good streak DJs. of DJs. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, we're, we look at the youth that watches us and, like, films us on their Snapchat. I'm like, put your phone down. Like, come dance. Like, yeah. actually engage. Like, let's actually, like, dance together and, like, feel like we're at homecoming again. Because, like, homecoming feels different nowadays. Because, like, school feels mm-hmm. different nowadays. And we need, like, youth to know that we can still, I don't want to say be normal because like everyone has a different opinion yeah. perspective of like what n- normalcy is and, like it's different now but like we need to feel a sense of like unity while just dancing to like jay-z and like having like voter registration but also snow cones and a mural that shows like the pain and hurt that was suffered mm-hmm. but also how art is incorporated in all of this because like we need to feel like we can be teenagers again yeah. that's what's important you don't need to ask to have a good time because that's what it's supposed to be yeah. it's if not- you're having a good time dancing if you're even if you don't like dancing you should still bop you should still tell your friends yeah but i think we love beth the biggest misconception with like march for lives well not in like in kind of like lots of other people's opinions is that like we don't like have fun or like we're not like sleeping or like i mean it's a combination it's It's like a a juggling act because like we we don't want to seem like this is the time of our lives and that we're enjoying it because true true but i feel like my definition of fun is actually meeting new youth and mm-hmm. actually like having like those barbecue events Absolutely. and actually speaking eating a hot dog exa- on a yeah and just talking about like what goes on in your community? That's my definition of fun because, like, for months I've been complaining, like, I have no one to talk to about, like, um, activism and, like, um, civil rights. Like, I want someone to talk to and, like, craving these conversations and, like, we're able to still be humans while also, like, trying to solve human rights issues. And that's what's so beautiful about everything. I also imagine, like, you're traveling the country, you're having these events and registering voters and partying, but you're also talking about gun violence and, and meeting people who've suffered through that. How have you found ways to take care of yourselves? There are definitely days when, like, we're, like, up to having fun. And there's other days where we're, like, I want to stay on the bus. I'm not I'm not okay today. And, like, everybody on the bus understands that at this mm-hmm. point. Like, everybody on the Road to Change Tour and everybody in March for Our Lives, 
if we need to cry, people will give us space. If we Mm -hmm. don't want people to give us space, we will be surrounded by people who, like, want to comfort us. And that's exactly what we need. And it's hard to be away from the people at home, but it's inspiring to be with the people that we meet every day. Well, I think one thing that you all are so good about doing is, like, making it, like, talking about your identities in a way that it intersects with what you care about. And so, like, there's this thing about, like, there's not a ton of, quote-unquote, like, LGBT issues on the ballot this, mm-hmm. you know, this coming election. Those gays got gay marriage. What more <laughs> could they possibly want? <laughs> but, like, you know, for you guys, like, gun control is an LGBT issue. Gun reform. Right? Gun reform. Gun violence prevention. Excuse me. Gun reform. Totally fine. We just want to make sure that nobody thinks that— We're not in control of anyone's First Amendment rights We're or not, Second Amendment rights. Second, gotcha. We're not trying to take anybody's guns away because yeah. that often gets confused— so gun reform, mm-hmm. I apologize. I'll um, <laughs> but there's a way in which, like, for y'all, like, gun reform is an LGBT issue, is an issue for black people. Like, so how do you think about your identities and drawing that connection to the issues that you care about? When it comes to having our identities in this area of life, we utilize it when we're talking to people who have experienced gun violence. When it comes to talking with youth who are like us, it only makes it easier for people to relate to us when they see people like them. March for Lives is not an all-white movement about mass shootings in schools. That would be a horrible campaign when we have diversity. It's specifically because the problem is diverse. Why wouldn't the solution be diverse? Mm. And, like, I always, like, love to quote him, okay? My inspiration, he says... And injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And I think that every single stop that we've made, or I know specifically throwing like some stories in there, um, from Southern LA, a girl looked at me in my eyes. She was like, how could you just be comfortable knowing that they're just exploiting your story? And I like was taken aback. And I was like, can you elaborate? She's like, you being a person of color coming from inner city and you experience gun violence every single day, you're going on that town hall, but they're not going to use your story because you're a person of color. I looked at her and I was like, I'm trying my hardest every single day that I'm on this tour to speak for brown and black people who experience gun violence every single day, who experience police brutality, who experience having a drive-by bullet shot and kill like their 12-year-old brother, who experience those things because you can't talk about an issue that affects everyone while only promoting mass shootings in white suburban schools. Mm. You're not going to draw in everyone in every little nook or cranny of our nation because we're hiding in this bubble that um, it doesn't affect me unless it's in my own bubble. But we can't blame people for not understanding it because that's why we don't have intersectional approaches to bring us together and create this coalition. And when when it comes to also um, talking about inclusion on the March for Our Lives tour mm-hmm. and March for Our Lives specifically, people already know my name. People already know who mm-hmm. I am. I don't need to talk anymore. But Bria needs that platform right. and we acknowledge that and that's exactly what we're trying to do. Emma, you are so proud and outspoken about being bi. I'm wondering, have you always been so willing to talk about your identity? Well, in ninth grade, I took creative writing for the first time, and my teacher, Miss Lapel, who I love, she was my creative writing teacher um, in freshman year of high school, and we had to do a children's book. And my children's book, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make my children's book called It's Okay to Be Gay. So on the first page, it's a little drawing of me with the hair that I had at the time. <laughs> um, and I used to have long, curly brown hair, for the record, for anybody who wa- who's wondering. So the first line is, hi, I'm Emma, and I'm bi, and I'm going to teach you about 
sexualities and gender identities in this book. So the first page is like, if you're a boy who likes boys, you're gay. If you're a girl who likes girls, you're a lesbian. <laughs> and underneath I wrote, spell, uh, say like, lesbian. Because I know that some kids are not great at saying long words. Um, anyways, and then I, I had a little description of bi underneath. And I went into further descriptions of things. And it's a pop-up book. Yeah. In the middle, it's, it's like... It's a pop-up book. It's a pop-up book. In the middle, <laughs> it's... Um, so, you know, the first page is, hi, I'm Emma, and I'm bi. And so I came out to everybody that way. And before that, I had come out to, like, a couple of people a little bit, but only people that I knew that would accept me and knew would be, like, mm. oh, yeah, uh, I'm gay, too, or something like that. But, like, I came out to my parents eventually, and they were like, okay, sweetie, what do you want to eat for dinner? Um, basically, it was really, really oh, nice. You have Aww. good parents. Yeah, no, they were truly lovely. Yeah, um, But, like... Being able to openly speak, you know, I had sheltered myself in. I squished myself down in the months of questioning that uh, are truly the roughest part of being somebody in the LGBT community. If you don't know and you have to question and you have all of the doubt in the world upon your shoulders as well as the fear that somebody will out you before you're prepared or that, that you'll accidentally say something that will out yourself or that you won't be prepared in a situation. You want to answer, yes, this is my sexuality, but you don't know for sure. Like, I was so, so convinced some days. I'm like, okay, I'm straight. And other days I'd be like, no, I think I'm bi. And other days being like, I really can't tell, and I, I just need to not think about it today. And eventually I just settled on it, and I was like, okay, I'm bi. This is official. I have to accept it. I've questioned it long enough. I'm just going to go straight for it. If I identify with something later, more expansive, then whatever. I just need to settle on it for my own mental health. And I eventually did. And from there, everything was absolutely fine. I'm wondering, do you get pushback for being out and talking about being bi? It's more like being an activist. I barely touch on the fact that I'm Cuban or that I'm bi it's mainly we get attacked for being youthful. Um, I think the biggest, I want to say insult, but like it grinds my gears when people, like I, if I get off a panels and like people will be like, wow, I'm so surprised that you speak so eloquently. You're so eloquent. You're, You're so, so eloquent. articulate. And Ooh. I'm just like, I'm Is like, that because I'm black or because and, I'm young? And that's what I'm saying. It's like both, it's like a double minority or triple. Like I'm a black young woman and, and trying to be in uh, a society where that's not usually like where people are coming in and having this platform to speak about different things. And like, I think when people tell us that we're too young to do lots of work that affects young people, it's kind of hypocritical because I think as a generation now, we're so revolutionary. We're taking control of our lives because we want to live. And that's so cliche to sound like we want to grow up. We want to have children. <laughs> but like, it's, it's a realistic it's problem. It's crazy that, like, 11-year-olds are saying, like, I want to live, when that should be a promise to them. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't have to be saying, like, I want to live to see my graduation year. That shouldn't be a reality for anyone. What would you say to people who underestimate you? First off, um, you sent us to school, and you're shocked that we learned something to the, <laughs> right, other, right, to right. the other people. <laughs> You might think that we're too young to know what we're talking about, but right. we weren't too young to experience it in the first That's place. Um, mm. Also, third thing, um, you might have been thinking about prom when you were 17, mm-hmm. but I also had to think about prom when I was 18 because at prom, we were watching the videos of um, 
you know, pictures from Instagram and videos of the people who should have been at prom were also playing on screen. People dancing in the courtyard, people at pep rallies, people at parties. All of it was included. Joaquin Oliver dancing with his friends. Like, that information was very prevalent. And the fact that there are some people who feel like we shouldn't be doing this well, I wish I wasn't doing it either. Swear. But we have to because you didn't. And, you will. and if you're not going to pick up our slack, then you can stop talking to us about who should be doing what because right. you're not offering a helping hand. Mm. Mm-hmm. But that's that. Yeah. Um, I want to thank both of you for making oh, time to you. come thank in. Thanks for having us. Thanks for talking. All right, that is our show. Credits. Producer. Matt Collette. Sound designer. Jeremy Bloom. Production fellow. Temi Fugbenlay. Editor. Jenny Lawton. Executive producer. Paula Schumann. I'm Tobin Lowe. I'm Kathy Too. And Nancy is a production of WNYC Studios. Yeah, let's go. <clears throat> Thanks. You're welcome.